Thank you. We are grateful for the way God's Spirit is at work in all of our lives as we seek to be peacemakers. And this uh, theme from Montreed intersects, uh, not accidentally, with our word of the week. Shalom, the word for peace and wholeness in Hebrew. The story of God and God's people begins really with the story of Abraham and Sarah, which begins in Genesis 12. And across the recent weeks and the recent months, I have tried to engage this story a little bit, a number of times actually. These early stories from Genesis, God calling Abraham and Sarah and telling them to go, go and they will be blessed and they will be a blessing in the world, go and they would be God's people and God would be their God. As you may know, Abraham and Sarah left and they followed God's encouragement. They left their familiar land and they went to uh, the place that God would show them. They set on this journey with God. They trusted God. They trusted that God would watch over them. They trusted that God would guide them. They trusted that God would deliver them, Abraham and Sarah. I'm not sure we really grasp fully the significance of this call story for Abraham and Sarah. Recently, my daughter, Jenny, uh, with Ginger, our daughter, Jenny, and her husband, Greg, left the familiar surroundings of Atlanta, where they have been for five years, and they have moved to Cleveland. Uh, This is a big new venture for them. They're going to new jobs. They're going to new surroundings. They're going to new unfamiliar territory. And you know what? Many of us have done this. We have ventured off. We have started over in a new place. We have had to find new connections, new community, uh, find our way. But the story of Abraham and Sarah intends to be way bigger than that. The story of Abraham and Sarah is actually about God getting involved in the lives of people, Abraham and Sarah, and initiating something totally new, something totally different, not just for them, but for the whole world, for everyone, everywhere, for all time. That's what the Abraham and Sarah story is about. God says, I will bless you, and I will make you a blessing to the whole world. In essence, what God is doing in the story of Abraham and Sarah is rebooting life for the whole world. The Abraham and Sarah story, if you recall, comes right after the Noah and the flood story where God was so disgusted with the world that he brought the flood. Abraham and Sarah intend to be key people as God intends to usher in a new way in the world. And what does that way look like? Not conquering people, because Abraham conquered no one. Not conquering people, but being a blessing. Not the old way, but God's new way, being a blessing in the world. Not violence and power, faith, love, life together in community. That's what God's trying to initiate. Not anxiety and fretting about death. That's the old way. Life with God 
Life in wholeness. Shalom. Do you remember the song from your youth? Maybe it was from Bible school. Maybe it was from Sunday school. This, this song about Father Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons. And many sons had Father Abraham. And I am one of them. And so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. It's a nice little tune. You know what it's about? That song? It's not just about Abraham and Sarah. It's not just about an ancient person who lived long ago, some figure in the Bible. It's about reminding us that we're part of the story. God blesses and calls us to be a blessing, just as he did with Abraham and Sarah. God does this with you and me. You're blessed to be a blessing. We're part of the new way in the world, God's way. And what does it look like? Not conquering people. That's the old way. But blessing people, not violence, not power, the way that God decided wasn't working in the world. But faith and love and life together, not anxiety and fretting about death, but trusting God and serving God like Abraham and Sarah. Among the descendants of Abraham and Sarah is another giant in the biblical story, and his name is Moses. You know the name Moses. The story of Moses is found not in the book of Genesis, but in the book of Exodus, and also in Numbers and in Deuteronomy. We first meet Moses as a little baby. He's floating down the river in Egypt. And this little baby floating down the river is pulled from the river by Pharaoh's daughter, And Pharaoh's daughter named him Moses, which means I drew him from the water. That's what Moses means. So Moses grows up and God encounters Moses in this powerful, memorable story in Exodus chapter 3, the story of the burning bush. God promised God would be with Moses, but God had a task for Moses Go and set God's people free from slavery in Egypt. Encounter the Pharaoh, set the people free. So the book of Moses and also Numbers and Deuteronomy share the stories of Moses, his life with God, his encounters with Pharaoh, trying to get God's people free from slavery, and then Moses leading the people through the wilderness day after day, ups and downs, challenges toward the promised land, helping them learn what it means to be God's people. Not slaves anymore, God's people. Love, faith, community, life, service, being a blessing in the world. These stories of Abraham and Sarah and then Moses from slavery to freedom are all part of the narrative of God who's trying to bring about a new way. A new order. Bless the people so they'll be a blessing. Not violence and power. That's the old way. Community and courage. Not selfishness and greed. That's the old way. Faith, hope, love, God's people, blessing in the world. So there's a fundamental question that comes up. Can the world actually head in a new direction? Or are we trapped, doomed to despair, to violence and conflict, repeating the same old, same old, 
again and again. This is what God is working on in Abraham and the Moses stories. If we were slaves in Egypt, does that mean we're always going to be slaves? Or put another way, will Pharaoh always be in power? Or is there another power that rules in the world? Or put another way, whose side are the gods on? Are they on Pharaoh's side? Because it seems like that on many days. Or are they not? Or put another way, are the deepest forces of life, are the deepest forces of the universe for us? Or fundamentally against us? Or put another way, are we here just to suffer? Or to do something, something bigger, something better with God in the world? Or put another way, who gets the last word? Is it oppression or liberation? Is it Pharaoh or is it God? And what should we do? What should our job be? The Moses story picks up in after Abraham and Sarah. The people belong to God. And God blesses them. And God calls them to be a blessing. It keeps playing out. And then we get to Moses at the end of Deuteronomy. So our text today is Deuteronomy 34, and it's included in the bulletin. If you want to read along, listen. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nabo to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho, and the Lord showed him the whole land, Gilead, as far as Dan, all Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah, as far as the western sea, the Negeb and the plain, that is the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, as far as Zoar. The Lord said to him, this is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your own eyes, but you shall not cross over there. Then Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab at the Lord's command. He was buried in the valley in the land of Moab opposite Beth Peor, but no one knows his burial place to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His sight was unimpaired and his vigor had not abated. The Israelites wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. Then the period of mourning for Moses was ended. Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. And the Israelites obeyed him, doing as the Lord has commanded Moses. Never since has there arisen a prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. He was unequaled for all the signs and wonders that the Lord sent him to perform in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh and all his servants and his entire land and all the mighty deeds and all the terrifying displays of power that Moses performed in the sight of Israel. This is the word of the Lord. There's a line in there that absolutely warrants our attention. It's found in verse 7, but verse 7 is not mentioned it's not listed in your copy there but it's right in the middle and it says this Moses was 120 years old when he died and his sight was unimpaired and his vigor had not abated 
Wait, what? Here's another translation. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak and his strength not gone. I recently went to the eye doctor. There's a poster in the eye doctor's office. You know what it says? It says, do you know what percentage of people ultimately need glasses? 100%. (laughs) Yet Moses, his eyes were not weak. And dying? Well, As a general rule, dying means your strength has gone. So why does the writer say and want us to know Moses died, but his strength had not gone? The word can also be translated in other ways. Even though he died, he still had his vigor. Or even though he died... This is another translation. He had not become wrinkled. (laughs) He was still fresh. He was full of fortitude. Another translation says, Moses was 120 when he died. His eyesight was sharp, and he still walked with a spring in his step. What's the message here? The Scriptures are trying to say something Very important. Even though another great leader of God has lived and died, God's purposes are going to carry on. Even though they have not reached the promised land and Moses would not lead them into it, he's done his job, a big job. What Moses embodied, the way Moses lived and served with faith, with hope, Building community with love, that spirit will carry on. God will make sure that spirit carries on. Think about what Moses had been through. He gave his life to impossible tasks. He's a a sheep herder who's called by God to go encounter Pharaoh. He's a reluctant but incredibly effective leader of a complaining bunch of former slaves. And he's trying to shape them afresh in what it means to be God's community, God's people in the world, blessed to be a blessing. How could he have done all of that and still have his eyesight sharp and his spring in his step? Well, it's always all because of God and God's care and God's plans and God's intentions for our lives and for the world. Blessed by God? Be a blessing. God is going to keep building up this legacy. God will never let it die. Keep building up this legacy. It's not about violence. It's not about power. It's about community. And it's about courage. And it's never about selfishness and hoarding and greed. It's about faith and it's about service and it's about love in the world. This is God's way. This is the way of Abraham and Sarah. 
This is the way of Moses. It intends to be the way of all God's people. And you know what? It's all summed up in that word, shalom. Shalom. In the Bible, the word shalom is most commonly used to refer to a state of affairs, how things are and how things intend to be, one of well-being, one of tranquility, prosperity for all, security, circumstances unblemished by any sort of defect. Shalom. Shalom is a blessing. It's a sign of God's presence. It's a sign of divine grace. It's a sense of wholeness and peace that intends to cover everything. That's God's plan, God's purposes. So the story of Moses, who led the people with such faithfulness and such effectiveness, is a warning. It's a warning to anyone who has ever bullied another person. That's not the way. There's another way. The story of Moses is a warning to anyone who has ever held their boot on the neck of someone else that they were dominating. That's not the way. There's that way, and there's God's way. It's a warning to anyone who has ever used power and strength to dehumanize or oppress or exploit someone. That's not God's way. God's way is about shalom, and it's going to come about God's plans, God's intentions, the deepest forces of the whole universe are all moving toward shalom. I need to be reminded of that today. I need to be reminded of that on most days. I think we all do. The missing peace, the missing shalom. Moses died when he was 120 years old with sharp eyesight and no wrinkles. It's a way of saying that God's ways of shalom, they're for real. And they are going to come about. And God will keep using people and leaders and every means to bring it about. God will keep reminding us, this is the way of God. Not that way. This is the way of God. Faith, hope, love, life in community. That's the way of the kingdom. Shalom. In these days of summer, I'm often reminded when I was much younger, my grandmother and her family had a cabin deep in the woods in western North Carolina. We only went there a few times while I was growing up because it was so hard to get to. The cabin was located really a mile or more off a very small country road. So way up the winding country roads into the mountains, you turned onto this long uh, gravel drive and you had another long way to go. As we rattled and rocked our way on that rough road, my brothers and I would complain. It was bumpy. It seemed to take forever. You could hear the gravel and the stones kind of coming up and beating and pelting the metal frame of the car the whole way through. Every now and then, around a hairpin turn, we would slide a bit on the gravel. We said, Granny, Granny, why, why don't we get this road fixed? Why can't you smooth it out? And she said, we have to leave the stones on this driveway. Without them, the dirt would turn to mud, 
and the road would wash away. We need a hard road, not a smooth one. She even added, actually, about once a year, we add hard stones to this road just to keep the road intact. So often, we long for the smooth road, don't we? So often, we expect things to be perfect and easy for us. Sickness, hardship, cancer, challenge, grief, loss, They're not supposed to happen to us. We deserve the easy road, not the hard one. We're good people. We're honest. We come to church. We're Presbyterian. We're American. Other people have challenge and heartache. We're supposed to be spared from that. That's often what we try to make for our kids. Perfect, easy life for them. That's what we strive for our lives. Keep it calm. Keep it easy. Keep it smooth. A hard road. A hard road, not a smooth one, often leads to life. A hard road is often how you get to shalom. When we get glimpses of the kingdom of God. Moses had no smooth road. No smooth road. And yet, at the end of his life, his eyes were sharp. He had a spring in his step. God's purposes and plans are to carry us to shalom. That's the promise. It's for real. Especially as we seek, like Moses, to trust God and live lives of faith, love, life in community, compassion, care, We find shalom as we participate with God in the inbreaking of God's promised reign. It's not smooth. Not smooth at all. It calls for selflessness and service. It calls for living generously, faithfully in all moments. It calls for courage Grace, peace, care all the time, spreading compassion, seeking to be a blessing in the world, it's not easy. And yet that's our calling. Jesus says, peace, I leave with you. Shalom, I leave with you. Jesus says, my peace, I give to you. It's not a shalom. It's not a peace that the world can give. Nor is it a peace that the world can take away. I give it to you. Shalom. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. May our way be the way of shalom. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, to turn from you is to fall. To turn to you is to rise to trust you, to serve you, to work for your shalom. That, O God, is to abide forever. Amen.